This is Next Question with IGNS. My name is Rachel Coletta, and I'm your host today. In today's episode, we are going to discuss building resilience with chronic illness. Our guests today are Megan Ryan and Vale Wright. Megan Ryan is a native Texan, lover of flowers, plants, and gardening, always planning for an upcoming travel adventure, and for 20 years has lived with common variable immune deficiency, one of more than 400 identified primary immunodeficiency diseases. Megan is treated with weekly infusions of Ig, which is manufactured from human plasma. Without this weekly treatment, she'd likely live with persistent and potentially fatal infection. She's taken her weekly treatments on the road to more than 20 countries and four continents so far. She's helped educate patients and healthcare providers about primary immunodeficiency disease and served as a peer support coach and support group leader, as well as a speaker at plasma donation centers. Dr. Vale Wright is the Senior Director of Healthcare Innovation at the American Psychological Association. She is a licensed psychologist, a researcher focusing on developing strategies to leverage technology and data to address issues within healthcare, including increasing access, measuring care, and optimizing treatment delivery at both the individual and system levels. As a spokesperson for APA, she has been interviewed by television, radio, print, and online media, including CNN, NBC News, The Today Show, MSNBC, The Washington Post, and NPR on a range of topics, including stress, politics, discrimination and harassment, serious mental illness, telehealth and technology, and access to mental health care. Welcome, Megan and Dr. Wright. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, excited to be here. All right, we're going to jump right into these questions. The first thing I want to talk about is if you can just tell us what is resilience and why is it important? I'll speak first from a layman's perspective and from a patient perspective. I quickly define resilience as the ability to bounce back. And from a person living with a chronic illness, one encounters a wide variety of circumstances where they're having to rely on that resilience and the ability to bounce back. Yeah, I really love that explanation, Megan. And it's actually very similar to how psychologists talk about it too. It's really this ability to weather, to adapt well under really challenging adverse circumstances. And that can look different for different people. It could be a traumatic event. It could be all the grief and loss we've seen over the last couple of years as it relates to the pandemic. And the reason why it's so critical is it's not just that it helps us get through difficult circumstances, which it can, but it's also part of our personal growth. So at the end of the day, we actually actually can walk away having learned something about how strong we can be and then that sets us up for being hopefully more resilient the next time we encounter a distressing event because at the end of the day um, none of us can avoid those hardships they happen but um, the more resilient you are the better you're able to get through it That's a great answer. And I do truly know that all of our resilience has been tested over the last year and a half. And we've really struggled. And now we're here. And how do we rebuild resilience? How does one foster or build resilience? I'll speak from an experienced patient perspective again and say, I believe it 
draws upon all of our dimensions of well-being. When we look at the dimensions of well-being, I put them in six categories, spiritual, intellectual, physical, emotional, social, and occupational. And I believe when we can use those dimensions of well-being and practice elements of each of those dimensions, that helps build resilience. We can draw on those elements of well-being to bring ourselves back up after a specific situation that may bring us down. And drawing upon each of those when warranted, that's why you that's why using the six of them to balance that out helps over time. Absolutely. And within those six, I often focus on what I call the foundational four, um, which is, you know, ensuring that you're eating healthy, that you're getting enough sleep, that you are staying active and that you're maintaining social connections. We actually know social connections are incredibly important to buffering stress and to building our resilience. Just even just reminding ourselves that we're not alone in our struggles and that we're all in it together, I think, can help people feel um, empowered to move forward. And I think once you have those four kind of foundations in place, then it even becomes easier to think about, okay, how are my spiritual needs being met or not met? And how can I meet my intellectual needs in order to maintain this resilience going forward? Because uh, again, you can't avoid adversity. We can only do the best we can to deal with it. And when we talk about the social connections, that's when I draw very much on the patient communities, the established patient advocacy advocacy groups that have really stepped up over the last 18 months and brought their communities together to say, yes, though you are spread out and in your homes or in your communities together and you're not engaging with this patient community actively, those patient advocacy groups have brought together patients virtually to connect and remind them they are not alone. And Megan, as a patient with a primary immunodeficiency, Isolation is nothing new for you. As you can probably relate, what has been going on for most of us over the last 18 months has been almost a norm for you throughout your life. Can you talk a little bit about that? Certainly. I can say our PI community was probably more equipped to handle a global pandemic than any other group. They were all, our patient community is taught to make risk-based decisions about you know tr going out with large crowds and managing the you know hand washing simple basic things that we had to teach people back in march of 2020 so our community was a little bit more primed and perhaps more prepared for a global pandemic than the average person absolutely that is so true now let's talk a little bit about how you cope in times when your resilience is being tested? I'm happy to go first on this one. Um, I think for me, the first thing I always think about is trying to remind myself to focus on what's in my control. Uh, when we're in spots where our coping resources are really stretched, um, things can start to feel out of control and like we have no way to um, exhort any sort of agency in our lives. So if we can just focus on the things that are in our control, which is really our thoughts, our feelings, and our behaviors, then that gives us an anchor point with which to then identify uh, appropriate kind of coping skills and problem-solving skills so that you can make your, make your way through whatever adverse situation you're dealing with. I look back to times where I've experienced 
points where I think I was at a weak point and recall those experiences and remind myself that yes, that was a weak point at a certain period of time, but I was able to overcome that period. And I draw from that history and able to reflect on that at times and know I've overcome something in the past. I can overcome something again in the future. It may just be a challenge that for the moment may seem insurmountable, but recalling and reflecting upon my past and knowing that I am still here, still alive and kicking, says that I can do overcome something challenging again. Thank you, Megan. And can you talk to us a little bit about some of the things that you do personally to increase your resilience? Drawing upon those that Vale just talked about, I believe it is the basic healthy habits that are important to me. Focusing on sleep. I think that is one of the most underrepresented high quality habits that one can have. We know sleep positively impacts the immune system. And I, when I'm working with peers in our patient community, it's both the quality and quantity of sleep. It's also we term it, you know, exercise and exercise looks different to every person, but building healthy habits of physical movement. And for some people, physical movement of gardening and doing things like raking and digging in the dirt, that is valid physical activity. You do not have to be a CrossFitter. The same holds true for a healthy diet. A diet of kale salads is not going to necessarily be the perfect diet for you, but a healthy balanced diet will always be one of the healthy habits to rely on that helps build that strength. And these seem like all very commonsensical things that we should all be doing. And yet so many of us neglect these very, very common sense items. That's very true. Sometimes we have to be reminded of the basic building blocks and the foundations of life. Absolutely. Also hydrating and drinking plenty of water. Another good one. I have to be remind, I remind myself of that a lot. I'm always carrying my water bottle with me, but there's some even basic things we know about hydration and how that helps us even from a mental standpoint. And people ask, well, what's water? Does, you know, do the sodas count? Does sparkling water count? Sparkling water counts in my book, sodas do not. And one last topic on this point is that some people feel that they are so down and that they have no idea where to start, but taking a simple step as such as getting out for a walk or just drinking a little bit more water or some other self-care item can actually put you on the path to building back up that resilience. I also think those are good ways of building resilience and also showing gratitude, reflecting on what you have good in front of you at any one moment. Maybe that it is as simple as you woke up that morning, that you were able to make your own meal for the first time because you have the strength to do that following a period of illness. Reflect on the good that is in the moment. I love that. That is so true. Thank you. So finally, we know that resilience is not just an individual trait. Can you talk a little bit about some of the external or systemic factors that are critical to enhancing resilience? 
Yeah, I think, you know, as we talk about some of these important foundations, being able to eat healthy, to be able to be active, I think we also have to recognize that not everybody has equal access to all these things. Um, and so that's what we mean by the systemic kind of levels in terms of what does our community have to offer us in terms of safe spaces or even uh, the ability to get the food that we need. So I can be as individually resilient as possible, but if I'm hungry, then that's going to undermine that. So I think that comes back to really investing in our communities, making sure people have access again to healthy food, to um, safe housing, to um, healthcare. I mean, it's hard to even think about how can I be resilient if I don't have the adequate healthcare, particularly when we're talking about um, patients from this population. So I, those are the sorts of things that we as a community and as a nation need to always keep in mind and not just um, only think about it's just a person that has to kind of pull themselves up by their bootstraps. While we do have to work on how we can be resilient, we also have to recognize it's within a larger system that sometimes we don't have a lot of control over. Thank you so much, Dr. Wright and Megan. I really appreciate your time today. This is Rachel Coletta signing off for today's episode.